0: Skeptics claim Noah's Ark is just a made-up story that couldn't possibly have been real and they've raised many specific objections to the biblical flood account.
1: Objections about the number of animals to be taken, the food requirements, waste management, ark construction, repopulation of species after the flood and many more.
0: We'll cover many of those today, but just becoming aware of how big the ark was solves many of those objections. Noah's Ark, Fact or Fiction, today
1: on Creation Magazine Live. It's reasonable and logical to be a Christian, and we'll discuss yet another reason why on today's podcast.
0: Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. I'm Alexander Osborne.
1: And I'm Thomas Bailey. Genesis 6-8 tells of how God judged the earth with a global flood. Mm-hmm. Noah was to build an ark and take his family and a selection of animals on board to survive this watery judgment. Right. But everyone has questions about the details mm. ark construction, number of animals, caring for them, food, water. There are dozens of questions. And no surprise here, without answers, some people end up thinking it couldn't be real.
0: Right. And this is important because it's referred to by Jesus and the New Testament writers That's as right. a major historical event. Scientifically, the Flood provides the mechanism for rapid geological activity. Without it, it would be very difficult to believe in a recent creation. If the Flood was not responsible for thick layers of rock full of fossils all over the world, then millions of years is really the only game in town.
1: A big part of this topic is whether or not the ark itself was even feasible. Right. Appropriately, a lot of the material for this episode comes from John Wood book, Noah's Ark, A Feasibility Study. Yeah. This comprehensive resource contains rational and detailed answers to every question you've likely ever had about Noah's Ark, along with some you probably never even thought to ask. (laughs) We'll address
0: as many of those questions as we can in this episode. Genesis 7, 1-3 says this, Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. Sunday school versions of the flood account often include
1: an image of the ark that looks something like this. Right. There's no way you could fit all the animals on that teeny <laughs> little ark. Right, yeah. Those pictures make fun coloring pages, but this is not what the Bible describes. Yep. And visually, it promotes the idea that the account of the flood is a fairy tale. That's right, yeah. In Genesis 6:15 6, to 16, God said, "This is how you are to make it." The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark, and finish it to a cubit above, and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks."
0: Right, and a cubit is the distance between your elbow and the tip of your yeah. fingers, or about 18 inches. So 300 cubits would be about 450 feet, or 140 meters. That's one and a half football fields! Wow! It was also 75 feet wide, 45 feet high and had three decks. That's a lot of space.
1: <laughs> would more be estimated the total storage volume to be about 43,200 cubic meters. Wow. Picture a standard railway stock car, which can hold about 240 sheep. Noah's Ark would have held the equivalent of 522 railway stock cars. Room for 125,280 sheep.
0: Wow, that's a lot of sheep. Yeah. But Noah didn't need that many. There were a lot of animals on board, but which ones and how many? There are millions of different species in the world today, including a million species of insects alone. Skeptics love to point this out, thinking that it's a knockout punch to the feasibility of the ark. But
1: wait, who said anything about species? Oh. The Bible refers to kinds. Right. Genesis seven fourteen and 15 reads... They and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kinds, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life. In the original Hebrew, the word behema, translated here as beast or livestock, refers to land vertebrate animals in general. The word for creeping things is remes, and this has different meanings in scripture, but here it most likely refers to reptiles. Right,
0: And many insects and invertebrates were small enough to have survived on large mats of floating vegetation, That's so right. no need to take them on the ark. Yeah. Also according to
1: Genesis 7.22, the flood wiped out all land animals that breathe through nostrils, mm. except those on the ark. Right, Insects don't breathe through nostrils. This implies that they weren't included among the animals that God brought to Noah.
0: Right, I mean species is a relatively modern term for various types of creatures grouped within larger categories like genera or families. The term kind in scripture more likely refers to larger groupings like genera or families. So not two of every species of dog, just two of the canine kind with enough genetic information to allow for the variations within the canine kind we see today. That
1: means about 2,000 to 8,000 kinds on board, so about 16,000 animals, most of which were quite small. Right. Median size would have been about the size of a rat, with only 11% of the animals being larger than the sheep. Right. Remember the sheep? Yeah. (laughs) But what about the seven pairs of clean animals? Since Moses wrote Genesis, this could refer to ceremonially clean animals under Mosaic Mm -hmm. law. But there weren't enough of those to make a significant difference in numbers.
0: Now for some math. Mm. Putting all 16,000 animals in cages, which would average 50 centimeters by 50 centimeters by 30 centimeters, Mm. would require 1200 cubic meters of space, or the equivalent of 14.4 railway stock cars. That's not even 3% of the space available. Even if we add a million species of insects in tiny cages, that would only be another 1,000 cubic meters, or 12 stock cars. Now we're up to 5 percent.
1: And then there's dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are land animals, so biblically they would be included among those that God brought to Noah. That's right, yeah. In previous episodes, we've shown evidence that dinosaurs lived alongside people after the flood. So there's historical evidence that supports the biblical account.
0: So how is this possible? Some dinosaurs were quite small, but even the biggest ones started out in eggs. Research shows juvenile sauropods were quite small until they hit a massive growth spurt. Right, so take juveniles on the Ark. An
1: estimated 50 or so created kinds of dinosaurs would still fit within that 3% of the Ark's volume. Besides the animals on Noah's Ark, there had to have been enough food and water to last about a year. That's a lot of kibble.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Let's assume it was regular food as opposed to something miraculously provided like manna. What would all those animals eat? Skeptics point out that some animals eat mostly fruit in the wild. So how would that last a whole year? But actually most mammals kept in captivity can be sustained on the same sort of dried foods used to feed domestic livestock and pets.
1: When you go on a trip, you probably pack fairly light. Right. If you take food, it's likely things with concentrated nutritional value that take up less space, like protein bars. Right. No one could have taken concentrated foods along with compressed and dried foodstuffs. But not the protein bars, right? No, more <laughs> likely things like grain, dried meat and right. fish, dried fruits and compressed hay. Back to the feasibility study for mm-hmm. more calculations. Assuming the food was about 80% dry by mass, the total mass needed would have been 2,500 tons. Hmm. If it was 90% dry, only 2,200 tons.
0: Right, and that sounds like a lot, but it would have been no more than 6,000 cubic meters, or about 15% of the total volume of the ark. That plus the animals in cages and we're up to not quite 18%. This is assuming that none of the animals were dormant for any part of the year. God could have caused all the animals to hibernate for a year, but He didn't need to. Of course, any amount of dormancy during the flood would mean even less food needed. What about water? Perhaps Noah could have collected rainwater, but assuming he didn't,
1: the amount of water needed on the ark for that year-long sojourn would have been about 4.07 megaliters, or Hmm. a little less than 900,000 gallons. Again, that sounds like a lot, but it only amounts to 9.4% of the arc's total volume. So what are we up to now?
0: Um, about 27%. If you're counting railway stock cars, it works out to 144.4 cars out of 522. Right. So knowing his family had about 73% of the arc to wander around in, or to run laps for that matter, <laughs> Well, not quite. What about all the other stuff that results from eating all that eating?
1: No flush toilets,
0: after all. That's right, yeah. Believe it or not, Wood Morope calculated that too. He did. Given the size and number of animals, along with the type of food and estimated moisture content, he calculated the total volume of excrement to be about 12 cubic meters per day, or about 4,400 cubic meters total for the year. This guy thinks of everything, doesn't he?
1: That's good, because I don't really want to think about it, (laughs) much less shovel it. No, thank you. We'll get into that in a minute. But for space, we're talking about roughly 10% of the ark's total volume. Right. That still leaves 63% of the space. Yeah. Still lots of room to possibly give the animals some exercise or play some
0: football. Yeah, that's right. Of course, as manure increases, the food and water volume decreases. But where would it all go? most modern-day barns have automated systems in place to remove the nasty stuff with relatively little human labor. The Ark could have had a system like that, N- not conveyor belts, but rather slatted cage floors with another sloped floor underneath, allowing the waste to empty into a gutter or a pit below, as shown here.
1: This would make cleanup fairly easy. Yeah, that's right. Even without vermicomposting or dumping anything overboard, we've already shown there was plenty of room for it all. -hmm. Another possibility is very deep bedding, which can last for up to a year without being needed to be changed. Right. And a single continuous slotted window at the top of the arc would provide adequate ventilation for
0: both odor and body heat. Right. But how could eight people feed 16,000 animals? Visit a large beef or pig farm, and you'll see that just a few people can feed a lot of animals rather efficiently. One option is to keep the food in compartments directly above the cages. This saves both floor space and time because there's less walking involved. They also could have used self-feeders like troughs designed to hold enough food for several days at a time. Mm-hmm. These could be lined up on one side of a row of cages with the manure gutter on the other side, maybe down the middle between two rows.
1: Water could have been poured into a second set of long drinking troughs, possibly right. above the feeding troughs. Yeah. But what about meat for the carnivores? And I don't mean barbecue for Noah and his family.
0: (laughs) Right. The provision to eat meat was given by God after the flood. So Noah, being a righteous man, would likely not be eating meat during the flood. Of all the food needed for different types of animals, only about one-sixth would be meat. And that too could be in dried form. Also, many carnivores, including dogs and even lions and tigers, can survive for a time on a vegetarian diet. But let's talk about fish, which didn't okay. need to
1: be on the ark. After all, there was plenty of water around.
0: Right, yeah. No one knows how salty the oceans were before the flood, but volcanic activity on the ocean floor during the flood would have dissolved a lot of minerals. Right. This plus continental erosion would add salt to the water, so post-flood oceans were very likely saltier than before the flood.
1: Here's the thing. Freshwater fish tend to absorb water because the saltiness of their body fluids draws water in by right. osmosis. Fish in saltwater tend to lose water from their bodies because the surrounding water is saltier than their body fluids. Hmm. How could freshwater fish survive saltier water during and after the flood?
0: Well, Actually, many marine organisms can survive large changes in salinity. Right. Starfish can handle as little as 16% of normal salinity, mm-hmm. barnacles even less. Some fish migrate between salt and fresh water. For example, Pacific salmon and striped bass spawn in fresh water and then mature in salt water. Eels do the opposite.
1: Many post flood families of fish include both freshwater and saltwater species, such as right. toadfish, catfish, and sturgeon. The Atlantic sturgeon migrates between salt and fresh water, but the Siberian sturgeon lives in fresh water only. Ah. This suggests the ability to tolerate large changes in salinity was already present in most fish at the time of the flood. Right. Over time, some varieties likely lost the genetic ability to adapt to salt water while others retained it.
0: Right, And turbulence may have been low enough at high latitudes for layers of both fresh and salt water to develop and persist, right. as fresh water can sit on top of denser salt water and not mix for extended periods of time. This would allow different varieties of fish to survive the flood waters. Even if such layers did mix, some fish could have survived. Aquatic mammals like whales and dolphins could have survived the flood better than many fish because they're not dependent on clean water to get oxygen since they breathe air. Many marine
1: creatures were killed in the flood by changes in temperature, turbidity right. of the water, or burial in sediment. 95% of the fossil record is made up of marine creatures. Wow. So the marine catastrophe of Noah's flood is an excellent cause for the fossil record. That's right, yeah. And this is consistent with Genesis seven eleven, which says the fountains of the great deep burst forth. Mm-hmm. This could refer to subterranean water,
0: water from the oceans themselves, or both. Right. What about plants? In Genesis eight eleven, the dove brought back an olive leaf. So right. there were obviously plants shortly after the flood. Many seeds can survive quite a while in salt water. Some even last longer in salt water than fresh water. Some could have survived in food stores on the ark. Some seeds can attach themselves to animals. And others may have survived in the stomachs of floating carcasses. Things you may not have heard on your favorite gardening show. (laughs)
1: Let's talk about the structure of the ark. Skeptics claim you can't build a vessel that large from wood because it wouldn't be stable, huh. and that it's only in the last hundred years or so that ships of that size have been built out of steel using modern technology.
0: But history shows there have been several very large ancient wooden vessels. Right. James Usher described warships used in a battle in the Aegean Sea in 280 BC. The largest was the Leontiphora, Uh, Usher didn't give exact dimensions, but he describes eight tiers of oars and 1,600 rowers, meaning it could have easily been four to five hundred feet long. It had to hold 1,600 rowers, 1,200 fighting men, and provisions for at least a few days.
1: In the 3rd century BC, Ptolemy Philopater built a warship 420 feet long, 57 feet wide, and 72 feet high it carried 7250 men with provisions oh, wow. then there are the 15th century chinese treasure ships made of teak and bamboo commanded by admiral chun many of these were 44 jong long and 18 jong wide a jong was 10 chi and a chi was about 12.2 inches do the math and you get ships between 404 and
0: 450 feet long. Right, and notice these examples were about the same size as the Ark, right. made of wood and designed to navigate the sea. Noah's Ark didn't even have to navigate, just float. Right. <laughs> but was it stable enough? Calculations showed the Ark would have been able to tilt as much as 60 degrees in rough seas and still right itself. It could have sustained winds of three times hurricane velocity and waves up to 30 meters high. So objections that waves and wind would have destroyed the ark have been overblown.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, then there's the old pitch argument. Genesis 6.14 says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. Hmm. Skeptics say pitch is made from oil or coal, and if coal didn't uh, form
0: until the time of Noah's flood, how could they use pitch? Ouch, that sounds like a slam dunk argument. But it's not. Pitch can also be made from wood. The pitch industry in Europe flourished for at least a thousand years. Pitch was used to cover the great wooden sailing ships that sailed oceans and discovered new continents. It was made by gouging trunks of pine trees in a herringbone pattern to release resin that was collected in pots at the bases of the trees. The trees were then chopped down covered in soil and ash, and then burned slowly to produce charcoal, which was powdered and added to the boiling resin. No oil or coal needed.
1: So a very stable, watertight, and spacious ark, just as the Bible describes. We've talked about the ark itself. Now let's talk about conditions immediately after the flood. Genesis 8, 18-19 reads, So Noah went out, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth, went out by families from the Ark.
0: Alright, so what would animals eat now that they were no longer on the Ark's meal plan? A while ago, someone asked if the pair of lions would have immediately killed the pair of antelope. Actually, it'd be a pair of larger created kinds from which the, today's lions and antelope came from, right. but, but you get the idea. We often picture animals boarding the ark in a long two-by-two procession
1: and disembarking the same way. But the phrase, went out by families, could mean that there was some amount of time between different kinds of animals getting off the ark. Scripture doesn't specify, but maybe the prey got a head start over the predators. Right, Right.
0: but wouldn't animals still eventually get hunted down before they had time to be fruitful and multiply? We know meat-eaters can survive without meat for a time. God may have caused carnivores to do that the same for a while after the flood. Also consider all the animals killed during the flood. Exhumed carrion was likely a major food source not just for scavengers but also for other carnivores like lions and tigers who often prefer it to fresh kill because it's easier to get. Why hunt if supper's just lying out there?
1: Good point. Deeply buried animals may have turned into a jelly that's relatively free of bacteria. Mm-hmm. Even today, Inuit people bury fish in large pits which then ferment, producing a kind of jelly which can be eaten. Animals that have sunk deeply in the flood water may have had less decomposition, so still edible. Right. Even those in shallow water could have survived for up to five years by a reaction of body fat and water. And there were likely lots of fish trapped in pools of water uh, after the flood waters retreated.
0: Right. For vegetarians, there'd be seaweed. Right. Genesis eight thirteen to fourteen tells us the waters were dried from the earth for almost two months before the animals disembarked, giving plants some time to regenerate. Right. We already mentioned floating vegetation mats and how seeds could have survived in different ways, but fresh growth can also come from downed vegetation like tree limbs.
1: Skeptics claim populations coming from single pairs wouldn't survive, hmm. but there have been numerous recent examples of exactly that.
0: Right. Yeah. Two
1: pairs of collared doves were introduced to Britain and grew to about nineteen thousand in just nine years. <laughs> Talk about be fruitful and multiply. Wow. Yeah. Populations started from just one pair include the rock wallaby in Hawaii. Hmm. Raccoons in the Bahamas and the American gray squirrel in Victoria, Australia.
0: Right. Rapid population growth would contribute to genetic variation leading to rapid speciation. Right. Evolutionists claim that you can't get the number of species we have today in only a few thousand years, but there are growing examples of rapid speciation, including new species of house mice on Madeira yeah. after only 500 years cichlid fish species arising in as little as 200 years, and a new variation of guppies in Trinidad after only four years.
1: Please understand this is not evolution, no, which no. requires massive amounts of new genetic information. Right. This is variation within created kinds due to natural selection, yeah, right. which operates on a loss of genetic information. For more on that, see episode 6 from season 8, Life Incredibly Created by God.
0: Right. Finally, some skeptics claim that the top of Mount Ararat would be the worst place to land because of volcanic activity. But who said there were eruptions there at that particular time? Right. Besides, several creationist geoscientists believe Mount Ararat in Turkey is a post-flood volcano. That's mm. true. The ark definitely didn't land there.
1: Let's read Genesis 8-4 carefully. And in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat, Mountains, plural. Huh. So we're talking about a region, not a specific mountain. Right. Yeah, and yeah. some creationists suggest it refers to a different region than present-day Mount Ararat.
0: Right, an advantage to landing in the mountains is it allowed several months for the waters to recede, higher elevations would dry out first, and plants would have more time to sprout and grow into a viable food right. source.
1: And in case you're wondering, to date evidence that Noah's Ark has been found is inconclusive. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's no reason to believe or assume that it would be around anyway since it's likely would have decayed or been scavenged for lumber.
0: Right. Finally, if you're wondering how animals got to places like Australia, the ice age happened within the first few hundred years after the flood. Right. This would have lowered sea levels enough to expose land bridges between continents. Those land bridges are now underwater because of The ice sheets receded.
1: No, two kangaroos did not hop all the way to Australia in one trip. (laughs) As animal populations grew, some would gradually migrate to different parts of the world over the course of several hundred years while land bridges were exposed. Others may have traveled on those massive vegetation and pumice that we mentioned earlier.
0: Right. Wow, we've covered a lot of different aspects about Noah's Ark. For even more information, you can refer to Noah's Ark a feasibility study, or use the search engine on our website, creation.com.
1: See you next week, and remember, Christianity is an evidence-based faith.
0: And science supports Scripture. Creation Magazine
1: Live is a production of Creation Ministries International, the publisher of Creation Magazine and the minds behind creation.com. If you want to chip in to support our ministry, go to
0: creation.com slash donate. And thanks for listening.